Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast What's up fungal associates welcome to completely arbitrary the podcast about trees and other related topics I am one of your hosts Alex Cross and I'm alongside Casey Clapp who sheepishly hangs his head in shame Here's the deal this episode, Casey, you picked. The, you, you put that chin up in the air, right, my friend. All right, hold on. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, so we're doing a podcast today. It's about a species of juniper in the genus Juniperus in the yes. family Cupressaceae, uh-huh. of which there are many. However, in the middle, I kind at the middle beginning, you know, somewhere in the podcast, yes, I referred to it. You referred to it as the Utah juniper. I confirmed that, right? And then as uh, later oh, in the podcast, okay. no, I'm not blaming you. No, uh-huh, no, yeah, I, no, 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 you said it, and I was like, yes, that's right. <laughs> I should have been more firm and said, uh, nay. We are doing today the Rocky Mountain juniper. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I should have said that before. That's okay. Not the Utah Utah juniper. I have made the error in the show of saying that they are the same thing. Right. They are not. Yes. So the episode you're about to listen to, this is not the episode, you guys. Yeah. Exciting, isn't it? This is a pre-roll yeah. to the episode. <laughs> but it's we, 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 we fooled you. Yeah. Can we call this the prologue? Yes. This is the prologue. Yes. Uh, the episode you're about to listen to is the Rocky Mountain juniper, which we will, we will brand it as such in the title. Mm-hmm. And all of the all of the copy on the Instagram will will mention this is the Rocky Mountain juniper. However, in the first half of the episode, we call it the Utah juniper about a million times. So just ignore that and do a search and replace. Yes, every time we say Utah, replace it with Rocky Mountain, and you've got it exactly. And listen, we could go back and re-record, but that's really not going to happen, and not our <laughs> style. So. As always, the podcast regrets the error. The podcast regrets the error. And with that, enjoy the episode. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I'm alongside, as always, the, I would say, the rim-lit Casey Clapp. What does that even mean, Alex? Uh, in film speak, a rim light is a light that sh- that you shine on the car- on the kind of sort of the back of the character's head, okay, and creates sort of a halo effect on the back. Oh, of the- and you are sitting in front of this brightly yeah. lit window, and Hello. you are angelic, my boy. Hello. 
How are you, Casey? I'm doing very well. I've been very productive today. Yeah, you had a whole slew of, th- of things, and you showed up here, and you were, uh, I guess, sort of like the Tasmanian devil at the end of his swirliness. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that, that seems about right. And it contrasted <laughs> very hard with my mood, and I... I rose to meet you, mm-hmm. and now we're both a little manic. Hey, I feel good. I like this manic. This is how I work best, I think. Wow. Uh, many times. Sure. Sometimes everyone's like, you need to slow down, Bob. Yeah. Okay. All right. We've Take had it that, easy. We've had that conversation a couple times. Yeah, it's true. We have. But you know what? Today is not that day. No, today is a day for excitement mm-hmm. and fun mm-hmm. because we're talking about a super cool tree that I know nothing about and a super cool topic that I know nothing about. Yes, which is... It's going to be exciting, Alex, because I this is one that I kind of gloss over every now and then. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to be able to talk about it. Oh wow! Now you haven't heard of this tree before, but you've been you've been to say the eastern uh, part of the state of Oregon. I have heard of this tree before. The Intermountain West. Yes, I mean I've, I've probably even seen this tree before, yeah. but I've never heard of the topic before. Ah, okay. Enough teasing, Casey. Oh my gosh! Today we're talking about the Utah juniper. That is right, juniperus. Scopularum. Thank you. I was waiting. I wanted you to do it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Well, I forgot what it was. They do. They call it that. The Rocky Mountain Juniper also. I've heard both terms. Sco- uh, the uh, Some people also call it Rocky Mountain Red Cedar. Oh, wow. Very frustrating, Alex. Yeah, what is that all about? Well, it turns out that this wood is somewhat like reddish mm. uh juniper actually um actually not juniper it has like different colors of the wood and it looks superficially like what we call the western red cedar or um the thuya placata okay uh, but then on the east they have the eastern red cedar which is juniperus virginiana which is a juniper that superficially looks like a red cedar. All of this taxonomy nonsense. It's nonsense. It, it just it drives me nuts. Which is totally reasonable. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna hold that against you. Thank you. It is unreasonable nonsense much of the time. Other other times, it does come in very handy. Yeah. You know. Sure. I mean. Yeah, splitting hairs, I think, is, is that's, okay sometimes. <laughs> that's when it comes in handy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the case, uh, but we're going to call it the Rocky Mountain Juniper or the Utah Juniper. Either one works for me. Wonderful. Well, let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I, hey, how about we're taking a stroll through Eastern Oregon? Ooh, actually, unfortunately, uh, this doesn't grow in Eastern Oregon specifically. I very, you just said. I did, but I was leading towards just just junipers. All like, right. The Rocky Mountain Juniper and the Western Juniper are really, really similar trees. Well, I had a 50-50 shot. You did, yeah. And I, I led you straight. I take that on that's my okay. conscience, personally. That, that's okay. This okay. is like when, when Anakin killed all those children. <laughs> and Obi-Wan was like, oh my God. <laughs> This is on me, yeah. Anakin. You've done this. Yeah, I do. I feel like you have just just uh, used your saber to kill all the younglings. The younglings. Yeah. Yes. Oh god. Uh, well, let's imagine instead that we're <laughs> we're walking through I don't know Utah. Yeah, let's go with Utah. <laughs> and we come across some junipers. Uh, uh, Casey. Yes. As always, let's ID this tree. Let's do it. Okay. I need to a say something. I'm now. I specifically. I'm sorry. I'm going back. I looked closer. There are allegedly some spaces where it grows over in northeastern Oregon. Okay. I'm sorry, Alex. That's okay. The young lanes. The young lanes. I don't wanna I don't wanna flippantly use the term gaslighting. Wow. But <laughs> let's just move on. 
Okay, so we're walking through a forest somewhere between Eastern Oregon and Utah. Now, the thing with these trees is we've talked about the ponderosa pine previously, yeah? Sure have. And, and as you're going from the west to the east uh, in the Oregon area at that kind of latitude, you're going to start with like a lot of conifers that like being on the coast. Different species of pines, Douglas fir, hemlock, western red cedar, spruce, that kind of thing. As you go across the Cascades, it goes up to spruce and true fir and some other pines here and there. Mm -hmm. Then as you go further east, it becomes dominated by Douglas fir and ponderosa pine. Sure. That is where there's enough water to sustain those kinds of trees. As soon as you go just a little bit further, then you start going south into the Great Basin where you have a lot less water. And this is in Nevada. This is in northern New Mexico, Arizona, California, southern Oregon, Utah, all this big, gigantic intermountain west, all the way over to Colorado in some cases. The the trees that you can see most... Uh, prevalent on the landscape where it's just a little too dry for ponderosa pine and Douglas fir mm. is a juniper. Okay. There's plenty of different species that grow. Some of them hybridize. Some of them are really closely related. But in this big area, if you see a tree and you start walking up from like a scrub desert and get it a little bit of elevation, boom, you're going to see a juniper. That's the sweet spot. It's the sweet spot. It's just when there's enough water. Casey, I want to interject and yes. I want to I want to note something. All right. Very fittingly, mm. there is some tree work being done outside of my apartment. That's true. So if you hear some... <laughs> it's, it's not a cow. It's not a cow. It's a chainsaw, you silly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I try to every now and talk over it as if it's not happening. Just sure. Just put my fingers in my ears and ignore it. And, and, you know, these mics are pretty directional, so you may not be able to hear it, but <laughs> there is a chance. I remember that season one vacuum. Yes. Oh, uh -huh. classic season one vacuum. Season one was full of vacuums. It happens with every single season one I've ever seen on yeah. anything. Remember Seinfeld, all the vacuums? Yeah, it was crazy. One. It was like they could afford it to have someone just come later. Yeah. Oh, well. Casey, let's push through this noise and talk about... Hey, can I propose that we talk about the foliage? Oh, yeah. The, that's, the leaves? Yes, that's actually the very first thing I want to talk about. They have, the junipers, two kind of things. Now, this uh, their, their foliage is famously scale-like, but junipers also have a different kind of foliage every now and then hmm. that is all-like. Now, you're familiar with the idea of all-like leaves? All. Yes. And that's that's A-U-L. That is A-W-L. -A okay. Yeah, there's two U's there. All-like. So essentially, an awl is is like an old uh, an old kind of pick. Okay, yes. Where it's triangular at one side, then it goes to a point. Uh huh. That is awl, a w l like, okay. and that is usually a kind of needle or a kind of leaf that is oppressed to the stem yes. at the base, and then it pops off into a point uh, at the top, like the giant sequoias. Okay, a example. I was going to say we just talked about this with another tree, and yes. I couldn't remember. Okay, great. Yes, that all like perfect. So that is the uh, that is this tree or juniper is kind of more broadly. However, the Utah juniper tends not to do that. Um, they have scale like leaf, and junipers famously have 
both kinds of leaves. On the same tree? On the same tree. Interesting. And a lot of times, it is a response to um, damage of some kind. Okay. So an animal comes, chews on it, then the next leaves that grow from that space that just got chewed on mm-hmm. are, instead of going to be scale-like leaves, they're going to be all-like because they're way more uncomfortable and poking. Oh, so the scale is maybe it's default mode, and yeah. then all is like, this guy's in trouble. He's yeah. growing all length. Exactly. Now, usually the uh, um, the one we're talking about, Utah juniper, uh, Scopularum, doesn't really do that very often. Oh, okay. I'm sure that it can, um, but most of the stuff I read, it just it's not very common. That's exciting. Yeah, but then other junipers do this, and that's a really good ID characteristic. If you're just looking at the foliage, and you're, you see, like, oh, there's two different kinds of foliage on the same plant. Yeah. It's probably a juniper. Great. But in this case, um, they have this adorable uh, scale-like foliage. It's oppressed to the stem, uh, to the stem, and it's usually um, these really like kind of short and nubby stems and like little twigs. So some junipers have really long twigs with really, you know, they're just very stringy. Mm-hmm. This one, everything's a little bit shorter. It's a little bit nubbier, I think. Okay, yeah, I can see that for sure. They almost look like um, little jacks. You know, like that old that old fashioned toy, the Jack. Yeah, I think so. Like the little X's. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they kind of look like little Jacks. Yeah. Casey's processing. I feel like they're they're fat Jacks. You they're know? fat Jacks. Like the, you dipped them in a couple extra layers of metal to get them just a little bit wider. Fat Jack is a good uh, kind of an old old uh, noir nickname. Yeah, I, I was, would go. <laughs> no, you go ahead. <laughs> I was talking to Fat Jack the other day, and he looked me right in the eye, and I knew he was lying. Yeah. The first place you want to check is at Fat Jack's. It's a bar downtown. <laughs> Just smoking a cigar. <laughs> anyway, so they have um, they have these cool seed cones, the junipers. We always love a good seed cone. Yeah, and, man. Now you're familiar with cones, right? I, you know what? I know of a cone. Okay, okay. So this cone is very similar to all the other cones. This is in the cypress family. Yeah. Their cones actually are they are these tiny little. Um, I think I guess maybe a little bit smaller than dime size globes. They're globose, so that means they're very, very round, right? Globose. Instead of being like a little elongated. Yeah. Isn't globose a good term? Like, Wonderful. You don't need to guess what it means. You're like, oh, yeah, I I think I know. Yes, they're absolutely globose. They are not kind of like elongated like most cones. Yeah. And they also don't even look like most cones. They don't at all. All. From afar, or even not that afar, they they appear to be a berry. They do. They're and they're they're so adorable if, as like little berries, right? Yeah, they're really cute. So they're these perfect little circular things. They have like the tiniest little like kind of points on them, where like it would be the end of one of those scales. Yeah, and they're very hard to see, but if you hold them in your hand, you can kind of like find them. And they're covered in a glaucous coating. Wow. That is this blue, like light blue bloom, which is what we call it. Same kind of stuff you see on a blueberry, where they kind of have that like coating on the outside, then you can kind of rub it off with your fingers. You'll be proud of me. My next question was, is that bloom? Oh, it is bloom. I am proud of you, Alex. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You're hey, uh, good. Hey, are there any fruits that grow in Florida that have bloom? I'm sure. 
I, I can't think of any right off the top of my head. Would you maybe call those Orlando Bloom? <laughs> oh, if they're in Orlando. This thing's covered in Orlando Bloom right now. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Please do. I feel like no one wants to eat something that's covered in Orlando Bloom. Well, I'm sure I'm sure many people beg to differ, Casey. I guess that's true. My brain, for some reason, was like, what would that actually be? And I thought just pollution from the city of Orlando. Oh, I imagine just, it as uh, Orlando Bloom laying out with like naked with like sushi on him. Like one of those, you know, like businessman retreats. (laughs) He's just there like dinner's ready. (laughs) You know that scene where Vigo kicked the helmet? (laughs) He broke his toe. A lot of people don't know that. (laughs) I'm Orlando Blue. Uh, yeah, Case, these cones are really these cones are really cool. Um, oh, so good. And so they're covered in bloom. Can you peel that off and there's like cone material underneath? You actually cannot. Okay. If, you, if you just like rub it off, then they're kind of this dark, dark blue underneath. Okay. And the thing about it is that they are they brightly colored and like there's extra bloom on top of them. And then they're darker blue underneath. Mm-hmm. And they are really juicy. Not like berry hmm. kind of juicy but they are very moist on the inside really yeah like if you if you dry them of course they will dry out if you don't dry them you just kind of like have them you see them on the tree if you like kind of crush them and kind of rip them apart uh-huh. they're gonna be like you're ripping apart like some like really tight like kind of woody berry that's very strange it is very strange and that is the thing about these trees is that the junipers have decided instead of just letting their cones go very similar to the yew they have co-opted birds and other animals to do it for them right so they make it look like a berry they make it be juicy kind of like a berry you eat it you're probably going to get a couple nutrients here couple nutrients there yeah and then kaboom the birds take it away inside they have maybe two or three seeds uh not a whole lot of seeds inside these little cones and then those cones will or those uh, seeds will get dropped with the bird droppings now you have a new juniper growing I, i just think it's really cool that the tree is kind of adapted to get other natures to work with it is is exactly the thing and that is kind of the subject that we're going to talk about in a second wow but before we do i want to also note these trees don't get very big okay kind of small trees they grow in this desert area they have bark that's really shaggy and kind of fibrous Hmm. breaks apart in kind of these long strips and is uh generally generally like has little strips that kind of pop off of this kind of scaly bark. It's kind of weird to imagine it be scaly and fibrous and like kind of pop off, but then as it ages, it kind of stays on. It kind of changes as the tree ages. It's kind of a mess. It is. It's kind of a mess, but like it's a beautiful mess. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. It's going for a lot of different categories. Yeah. But what I love about it is that the the green foliage is, um, this is usually during the summertime. Sometimes they can um, kind of... uh, turn different colors funny enough western red cedars do this they kind of turn a little bronze when it gets really cold outside the the, bark does yeah when they're dormant not i'm sorry not the bark the foliage oh it goes from this lustrous green to a little bit of a bronzish color interesting i think it's some way to protect uh, the the leaves from either the cold or like really bright sun just like a little bit deciduous not deciduous they just they just like pull in some of their all the leaves stay there Mm -hmm. but they just kind of pull and change color so they move the pigments around 
around. I guess that's what I mean by deciduous, oh, a little bit deciduous. Is I it, see. It goes a little bit toward that direction, but and it's then, not fully yeah. committing. That's exactly right. Okay. But what's nice is that these trees develop this, their bark is like this really brown, grayish kind of color, especially as it ages, it turns more gray. Mm-hmm. And the when they're really young, that's when you get the most like scaliness on the bark. Hmm. And it really looks extra nice when you have this sort of fading brown gray bark out to the edges it's peeling with this kind of reddish grayish kind of peeliness to it with these really tight knit green sometimes bronze sometimes bluish uh foliage and then these berries that just pop like these little white gray like little pop 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 all over the tree sometimes it just looks so fabulous you're just like oh my god that tree that tree is a gorgeous mess you know what it is what it's the Technicolor Dream Tree. <laughs> it is. This is the Technicolor Dream cr- Dream Tree. Again, found in Utah. Oh, Utah. They always get everything. We have plenty more to say about the Utah Juniper right after a quick break. We'll be right back with more. Completely arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Utah Juniper. Casey, a quick correction. Go for it. Oh my God. We are not talking the Utah Juniper. What? I'm sorry. We're talking the Rocky Mountain Juniper. For the longest time, I kind of thought they were the same thing. Oh. That I've only very recently been like exposed to them as I've gone to uh, the Southwest multiple times this last year. So I was like, all right, I'm getting used to it. Oh, there's this one. It's a Utah juniper. It's a Rocky Mountain juniper. And then as I was, uh, we took a break just now. As we came back from the break, I had realized when I looked through two different things, uh, there was made reference while looking at one to the other. And I was like, (gasps) it's like when you you realize you have twins amongst you. And you don't realize it until all of a sudden you see them in the same room together. Wait, I need a clarification. Yes. This is not our Utah Juniper episode. This is our Rocky Mountain Juniper episode. Then we have to start over? Yeah, we got to start over entirely. I mean, I'm suggesting this for real. What? <laughs> we talked so much about Utah Juniper. No, I. But everything I was describing was the Rocky Mountain Juniper. Wow. So I've been going through this scientific name, the everything, it's all, everything's correct, except... It's actually just the Rocky Mountain Juniper. The Utah Juniper is a a completely different thing. Jesus Christ. Do you want to start over? No, but here's what we'll do. We'll put in a correction at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I'll edit this out. Okay. And we'll, we'll say, here's what happened. We, and then we'll mention it in this, in this post break thing. It's terrifying. And now I see why you were upset. Yeah, because we kind of went for it, you know? But yeah. uh, then I also said, yeah, yeah, Utah Juniper. And it's not a Utah Juniper. Well, everybody loves a big twist. 
And this is ours today. <laughs> this is the big twist. So today we're talking Rocky Mountain Juniper. Is it still the same scientific? That's all the same. Yes. That, well, see, that's, yeah, that is what hasn't changed. Okay. Everything you've ta- said about this tree holds true except for the common name, which is Rocky Mountain Juniper. That is correct. We okay. are doing Juniperus scopularum. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Juniper episode <laughs> of Completely Arbitrary. Casey. Alex. We've made our correction. I'm such an ashamed person. No, and we have all of our listeners are very understanding, and the three that aren't will let us know, and we will ignore their email and move on. Okay, just to set the record straight, we're talking the Rocky Mountain Juniper, right. Juniperus scopularum. Everything is exactly perfect. It's got those same kind of adorable little things that we we were talking about. Yeah, we talked about it. We're We're moving on. Okay, 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 okay. Casey, we got a big subject to talk about today. Yes, we do. I have no idea what it is, but I know what it's called. Convergent evolution? Correct. Okay. So, evolution is a process, Alex. It does not have a direction. It does not have a an agenda. It doesn't seek something in the way that it's like, it would be really good if I developed a tail. And then a couple millions of years later, you have a tail. Right. The tail either happens or it doesn't happen based on uh, selection. Okay. At the population level. This is where a lot of people get it uh, confused. Uh, remember we talked evolution a while back between uh, the Lamarckians who said, you know, oh, it's better for the uh, the giraffes to have the, the tall necks. Oh. So they slowly over time develop taller necks. Right. It is actually the Darwinian style uh, where you have a giant population where the ones that have just a little bit taller neck end up reproducing more, more often. The ones that have a smaller neck for whatever reason maybe just produce less so then over time these changes in the population in like percentages and proportions lead a population to change got it so convergent evolution is that process however what's cool about it and where uh, it makes it like why why did they give us a give this thing a specific name it's when you have a strategy at a, at a larger level think of a strategy of a plant is like i'm going to use uh insects to pollinate me or i'm going to be wind pollinated or uh, i'm going to develop these kinds of things and grow in a dry habitat or a wet habitat you know i'm going to send out aerial roots to strengthen my stronghold who am i yes you are a fig, mm-hmm. a strangler fig. That's right. Yes, uh, it is a similar thing. So you, you end up kind of developing these traits and these different things. Um, but what's convergent evolution is when one thing, and this can go from animals uh, or plants. We're going to focus on plants today. Mm-hmm. Where they develop the same or very similar characteristics or adaptations to solve a certain problem. And that comes from these two completely different places, but is the same thing at the end of the day. Okay, Does so make any sense? two different species yep. developing two similar strategies Correct. to a similar situation. Or the same problem. Yeah, the same situation. The same problem, 
but that live very far away from each other. Not necessarily far away. They could be in the same exact spot. They could be neighbors. Okay. Why but is that cool and important? Here's why. So if you are a, uh, let's say you are a cherry tree. Got it. You are growing and you develop this cherry. Now birds are going to eat your fruit and be like, sweet, I'm going to do that. That would come from a flowering plant. So all the different kinds of flowering plants had these seeds inside the ovary. Those then would create this fruit. That fruit would get eaten by something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing about flowering plants is that they really, they really, the very first one split off from whatever other line it had, started making these flowers, making the flowers and making the fruit in some way co-opted, you know, some some species don't do this, but many of them co-opted animals to do the pollination, animals to eat the fruit, spread their seed. Mm-hmm. Um, other plants just didn't do this. Mostly, let's say the conifers. They develop these cones, and they're usually pollinated by wind most of the time, and their seeds are usually spread by the wind or some other thing. So, convergent evolution, these two trees, or these two plants, you know, the broadleaf cherry tree that develops this succulent red thing, and all the other kinds of trees, you know, you think of this as a clade, where it's one big branch of the evolutionary tree, Okay. all the angiosperms, all those flowering plants, Mm -hmm. each one of them maybe the very first one developed this fruit and then others said, nah, we actually don't need it to be, you know, delicious. So they, they stopped doing it. But the very first one and then a bunch of them way down that line all developed this this one trait of these fruit that want to be eaten. Okay, so succulent. All, all trees that grow flowers could be a part of a clade. Yes, exactly. Okay. They are, yeah. All 100%. conifers are a clade? Correct. Okay. Yeah, they are all part of that one branch. You Got cut it. off the, the gymnosperms, conifers are going to come with it. And pinus is at the top of that branch? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's just one end of that branch. Oh. And then the other families and the other genus uh, genre are also ends of that branch. Oh, 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 oh. Exactly. And then okay. you go from the genus, and then those branches go back to the families, then those branches go back to the orders, and then so on and so forth, up that line. Okay, until you get to trees. Um, no. Oh, oh, Alex. That's foreshadowing for a future episode. Wow. Trees are not a clade. Uh shocked (gasps) (laughs) you had to remind yourself the emotion you needed to have there we'll talk about that later this that'll that would throw us completely off in our conversation i didn't yeah i don't want to do that today that's good uh so convergent evolution is when you have two completely unrelated things do that same thing okay so it's weird because you're like wait a second if they all were related kind of makes sense that they could develop these same traits. Sure. An yeah. apple and a peach and a cherry and a uh, um, a quince. All these are, are in the, the same family. The sorbus, which is the mountain ash, um, or the rowan tree, mm-hmm. the white beam, the... Uh, there's a couple others that I can think of. Uh, all the hawthorns, all that. Those are all in the rose family. So because they're all in the rose family, they're all really closely related, they all have these different kinds of succulent fruit that are eaten by birds. Yeah. Totally makes sense. It's it's just, you know, you've taken the same thing and you have just amended it a little bit and now you're a different species doing something slightly different. It makes sense same because stuff. they're related is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. It makes sense because they're related. Okay. Now, what doesn't make sense, what kind of boggles the mind is when you have a yew tree, a conifer, develop the same exact thing mm. for the same purpose, but they are so vastly unrelated yeah. that it makes you wonder like, 
How did that develop in the first place? Oh, because a yew is like, for lack of a better term, mimicking a fruit tree. Exactly. Even though... Even though it's a conifer. It's a conifer. I see. It initially developed those cones that are not eaten. Very interesting. A juniper, very specifically our Rocky Mountain juniper, Uh and just to throw a loop in there, also the Utah juniper. Oh, don't even. They developed that same exact um, thing. So they, over time, have developed these berries. We call them juniper berries. They are cones in every definition of the word. Right. But they've developed this kind of blue color that birds are caught or that catches bird's eye. Mm-hmm. They're like, hmm, that looks delicious. They also are way more juicy than a normal cone. Like you can rip it apart in the, the kind of outer section of the cone scales. It's all kind of mashed together. In the way that uh, uh, you have scale-like needles. Yeah. Or needle-like leaves, rather. Uh-huh. This is a, co- this is a berry-like cone. Yes. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that is a a quintessential example of convergent evolution. That's very interesting. And you can take this in a bunch of different ways, uh, especially with animals, where you have a bird and mammals, a bat. Yes. They have solved the same problem, i.e. flight, with completely different mechanisms in completely different ways. But they're both still flying. But they're both still flying. That's fascinating, Casey. You were right. This is interesting. Yes! (laughs) Let's think of another animal example, because I think I, I don't know why but that seems more interesting than the tree examples okay well another a couple other examples would be different kinds of well insects don't quite meet this definition because they again they all kind of came from the same thing they're all distantly related yeah but there are a lot of different insects that have made different changes to their anatomy to do other things okay so some will mimic like you said with the snake Mm -hmm. they'll mimic other insects a um there's a certain spider that looks almost exactly like an ant. Wow. And that will like, no one wants to eat it because it looks like an ant. They're like, whoa, don't get close to that thing, but it's actually a spider. The snake I was thinking of earlier, you just reminded me, it turns its tail into a spider looking thing. That may, and it oh. has like legs that crawl. Oh, that's so and disgusting! So a bird comes down and then the, sna- the snake snaps at it. That is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh my God. Well, so there are, um, I'd I'd have to sit down and look, and if you want, Alex, we can pause and I can look up some great examples. Sure, Casey, although I I may have an example, I want to run this by you, and tell me if I'm I'm barking up the wrong tree here. Oh my God. Hey, that's animals and trees. Get out of here. Uh, Okay, you have have, uh, seals. Yes. Okay? Yes. And you have penguins. Now, penguins are a bird. Yes. A seal is a water mammal correct penguins swim yes really really well extremely well like Uh like half the time they're swimming right seals swim yes they do they also walk some of the time correct well and they and they both do yeah but the thing is they it just it's exactly that's a perfect example where they have both developed anatomy that's very specific to solving the same problem i.e. getting around efficiently in water yeah so they all they both have developed like wings that look and act like flippers Mm -hmm. or limbs that look and act like flippers right they also have developed like noses that can like squish themselves down and what are they all mimicking and like also like really kind of becoming more and more like is fish yes which is a completely different example 
Yeah, exactly. Wow. And that is, um, this is a, a great introduction, like you already did, to this other idea that we're going to talk about uh, some other time about the um, the strategy versus the uh, the biology of it. Okay. So the strategy is uh, doing fish things, mm-hmm. being in water and efficiently uh, navigating in water. Efficient. Right now we've come up with a bird, fish, and a mammal that all do it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. And there are many more. There are many more. And so th- all those things, um, people would say, oh, well, these are all fish. Like, right. conveniently, you can say that. Although, now that we know, like, you know, it's like, that's not a fish. That's clearly a dolphin. That's yeah. a mammal. We know this. We've done, you know, we lurked on it. But there are other, like, perfect examples where if you go back and, like, follow, um, I think there was an example of a lungfish and a salmon or something. Mm. For all intents and purposes, they just look like the same thing. But if you go and follow their evolutionary history, they go to different clades. So then if you cut off all the clade of one that, say, has the salmon in it, you apparently have to include a bunch of other things that are not fish. Wow. So then that, like, really, that it'll be a conversation again, but this is a great primer where you kind of see the difference between a strategy that an animal or a plant takes versus where it came from. Yeah. And that is really the kind of curious thing about convergent evolution, where they converge the evolutionary strategies that has developed in these animals mm-hmm. converges on the same solution. And that's, of course, what it is. Then there's divergent, where you have the same exact thing, where the a very closely related animal diverges one direction or another and becomes something completely different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's also examples like in birds where they develop um, similar kinds of beaks, even though they're bird species that are related in like the far distant galaxies of relations and things like that. Hmm. Although again, that one's not quite the same. It's it's the the closer they are related, the the more it becomes divergent evolution than it can be convergent evolution. I see. Does that makes sense. So part the part of the key of the definition of convergent evolution uh-huh. is that they are very dissimilarly related. Yes, or they, distantly related is what I meant to say. Exactly. Yeah, they <clears> come. <throat> they you have to have the like if you're using your elbows and your pink your in your fingers, the further away your elbows are and the closer your fingers get together that would be considered convergent evolution casey's making a pyramid shape with his with his hands yeah i am versus if you put your elbows close together and your fingers far apart those are now die it's really hard to do yeah yeah especially if you like flexibility isn't great it's not bad that's not that's touch your elbows everybody you can do it do your best well, the uh, yeah, the, if your elbows together, those are closely related things, and they're diverging away. I see, and that could be you know a penguin versus an albatross or an ostrich. You know, mm. they all distantly way way back were the same thing that then diverged and diverged and diverged. Uh, but like a uh, a hummingbird and an ostrich and a penguin and a seagull are all really closely related in the grand scheme. Closely related in like, you know, they speak the same language, not at all. But they are very much like on that clay list. You cut the branch that includes all the birds, that includes all of them. They're all on that branch. That's wild. Yeah. But then there's there's all sorts of different things. I think also um, insects versus um, other flying things like birds, they've developed similar wings that flap and they go do things Mm -hmm. and they can fly away. Are there some more more tree examples? 
Oh yeah, there are there. So the U is a is a fantastic example. Yes. Um, but then anything that is uh, kind of a further away species, where again, when you become a tree, or when you are a tree or are a plant, at some point you can trace all plants back together um, and they kind of do the same thing but some will converge in the sense of having um, different leaf examples or different leaf textures where certain leaves let's say it's a um, a conifer that has really tight-knit leaves that grow really really close together oh the bristlecone pine great example okay where it's actually a five needle pine all the needles stay really really tight close into each other Mm -hmm. and they're really tightly spaced on the twig that essentially in their really high alpine environment keeps them really compact and they warm themselves up. So it helps right. keep their twigs literally warm like they're wearing a little bit of a sweater. I remember that, yeah. Versus their other plants, we call them cushion plants or like a, a cushion. And they are little plants that grow up at these really high alpine places as well. Mm-hmm. But they stay really short and all of their um, different leaves grow really tight and really thickly covered in little hairs way down like is it looks like a little cushion on on a bunch of rocks oh okay like a phlox is an example there's some buckwheats that do this okay and they stay really really tiny that way wind kind of just blows past them and doesn't like go and really cause them a whole bunch of trouble okay um there are other things that grow thorns and develop different uh, strategies to live in the desert where they have really thick um, like cactus is a great example cactus and succulents kind of closely related but they are kind of also distantly related where you can have a certain plant that grows a bunch of spikes and thorns and things like that and they have they've moved their uh, their chlorophyll more into their stems and then use their old leaves and buds as, as spikes Wow. Versus that's exactly what the cacti do. Yeah. So the cacti and this other thing could be way distantly related, but like uh, they both develop thorns, for example. Right. So these kinds of things. So there's there's some great examples, uh, especially with fruit and how fruit is eaten. The yew and the juniper specifically are the like golden examples yeah. where they've co-opted birds to do the same thing that the flowering plants figured out a long time ago. But then with all these other spikes and all these other things, it's the same thing. And there's there's an example of a um, uh, a euphorbia. It's a uh, these two kinds of succulents, hmm. and I'll show you a picture of them. Okay, they look almost exactly the same. Yes, Casey's showing me uh, what looks like a like a boule, like a bread boule. Oh, what is a bread? Like a sourdough boule. I have never ever heard of that. It's just like a round a round loaf of bread. Yeah. Well, and it turns out that that photo, I was like, I think I've seen this before. It's on the Wikipedia page of Convergent Evolution. Oh, wow. I I was looking at a different, uh, a different website. um, um, It's called Uncanny Examples of Convergent Evolution in Treehugger.com. Exactly. Um, But this one, it's, it's great because obviously it's a perfect example. It's between a Euphorbia species and an Astrophytum, um, which are only distantly related, but they've almost look exactly the same. Like the structure of their plant is almost exactly the same. They just found they found the same they found the same answer different ways. And Alex, this is what makes like convergent evolution as an evolutionary idea so curious because this is a process like I said at the very very get-go, evolution does not have a direction. Like okay, now you're growing in the, in the uh, in the desert, you must develop this. Right. 
It's more that a bunch of plants exist and the pressures that are around on their population end up weeding out all these other different kinds of strategies that mm. could work. So if it starts to basically shift its genes towards one thing and that is more successful, you get more of those things. So convergent evolution as an idea uh, evolutionarily speaking, makes perfect sense. Throw a bunch of things out there, give them a couple million years of, of very slow changes, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, they've they've developed all the same things because they are all dealing with the same problem. Wow. Versus the uh, divergent evolution, that's where you have a bunch of different niches, you throw the same thing on it, and then each one of those things has to adjust to those individual niches. Right. And then that is where you get this divergence of evolution huh. but it's such a it's such a fascinating thing like you're just like okay this the plants are not making this decision it's not like well i'm gonna puff up right in order to be this because it, it almost seems like they're they're and i know this is not the case and i but i you know in my creative mind i'm like oh that plant is watching that other plant be successful at ah, something yeah it's going to adapt to look like it but it doesn't know what other plants look like exactly it's at least the, you know at least we know a really slow random process that ended up where it is. Exactly. It kind of takes the romanticism out of it a little bit. A little, bit. but that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't need to be romantic. It doesn't need to be romantic. Thank you, Alex. I think I can draw an analogy here, Casey. Oh, okay, please And it's do. either going to be great or it's going to flop, but it's from my world. Uh, are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? Not quite. I okay. think I know the name. Honestly, you might have said it to me before. Probably. Joseph Campbell was like a folklorian, uh, a myth. Mythologian, <laughs> mythological right. uh, scholar, uh, writer, uh, philosopher. Um, uh, what's the study of people? Uh, anthropologist. An anthropologist. Um, he basically studied folklore and myth mm -hmm. from uh, peoples all around the world from all different time periods. Okay, yeah. Uh, pre-internet right where we could ah. share everything across the world in an instant i remember those days and basically found uh this process of storytelling called the hero's journey i'm sure you've heard of this yes for sure uh the hero's journey is like an eight step circle uh that takes a character a protagonist uh -huh. through a, a sort of a prescribed set of of uh processes no way including Death and rebirth, uh -huh. and a return to norm normalcy, but with something is something has changed. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the, every movie and book you've ever read uses this formula. Um, and he found that you know uh, ancient Egyptians and uh, ancient Aztecans, Aztecans, yeah, probably. Basically, we're all telling the same stories. You're kidding me. Uh, people in, you know, uh, 1700s Japan. Yeah. And people in uh, 1300s England. We're all telling the same stories. Alex, that's so fascinating. All these people from the vast stretches of history came up with the same thing through like a collective consciousness. It's a, it, and I'm not, I'm not describing it well at all, but this is basically what I know about it. I mean, that, it makes perfect sense. Like what you're saying in terms of like how you're describing it. So you're, okay. do, you're doing justice. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so he wrote a book called hero with a thousand faces hero with a thousand faces. It is one of the densest pieces of literature <laughs> I've ever attempted to read. I mean, uh, 
a paragraph a night basically is what you're yeah. getting through when you're reading this thing. There's that like is... compendi- or there's a uh, companion pieces. And okay, stuff. gotcha. Um, but yeah, he he basically found that uh, through some sort of vast collective uh, human consciousness. That is that just, we all tell the same stories from without knowing it. Yeah, that is uh, that is very curious because yeah. that is like something that you like. It makes intuitive sense. Like yeah. it's like yeah, of course. I mean that's that makes sense. But that is like that's like the definition of of this kind of idea where everything is is dealing with the same problem. Yeah, and that problem is you know morality. Like how do I convince you to do something, or how do I like in- encourage you? Like telling these stories, and they always come up with the same thing because that's what gets the emotional response. Right. How many stories do you think each one of these people told before they found that? Like a story that everyone just kind of eh, forgot. They're like, yeah, that's not a very good right. story. But let me tell you about this guy. Yes, yeah. And then tells this one story. That story gets remembered, and then all the rest of them. That's that is a, a for, that's a perfect example. Uh, it, does yeah. that does that ring true with convergent evolution? I think it does because if you if you take it and you frame it in this kind of like there is a problem, and like the problem is is telling someone or, or uh, expressing, conveying a certain morality or behavior, mm-hmm. or ideology, or even an ideal in terms of what is what is a good person, what is a hero, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And you want to tell this story and you want that story to be remembered mm-hmm. and you want that story to have meaning. You can tell it a thousand different ways, but if you leave one of those different parts out, then you may not think that it is extremely, you know, viable. Or maybe it's just forgettable. Maybe it's just like, eh, yeah, then he, he became good again. And it's like, well, that wasn't a very compelling story. Right. You know, and then these ancient people are kind of like, mm, that was boring, Franz. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, it's not super exciting. Like, if you told a story like, uh, uh, j- uh, you know, uh, Jack needed meat, so he went hunting. And he killed a buffalo, and he brought it back, and everybody was happy. Yeah, it's, it's like, just not, like you know, you, you need the steps, you need the drama, you need the death and rebirth. Exactly, that did not develop like when we invented Michael Bay or anything right. like that. So, yeah, I think is I think is a perfect example, Alex, because. The, even in the idea of like taking a population of things mm-hmm. and then each one of them does something different somehow has a different set of traits yeah the ones that have the more traits that are work just a little bit better are going to live just a little bit more or maybe produce reproduce just a little bit more and then over so long these old ones just kind of that don't reproduce quite as much they just don't succeed over the long period of time a million stories come out and only the best end up surviving right. in these people's whose lives depended on these good stories because that's how they, you know, oral tradition was passed down. It's very curious that that's your takeaway because that is not quite the link I was making. Oh, really? I was making the link of these two different, we'll call, we'll call them species. And by species, I mean uh, two different peoples from two different areas in the world from two different timelines. Like cultures. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they find the same solution to a problem yeah. independently. I and see. so I was I was making a link to convergent evolution that these two different species unrelated, mm-hmm. even though all humans are related, yeah, uh, 
found a solution to the same problem in two different ways. I yeah, I I think I without I think, knowing the other was doing it yes, and able yeah. to look at them and and take take notes. I think I think we're 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 saying the same thing cuz okay. I I that's how I was thinking you were taking it. Okay. I was just providing also like a foundation that it happened in each one of those individual cultures. I see. There's a million stories, they all end up becoming this one story per culture, yeah. then that one story has now been like, yeah, we solved the same problem the same way you did. Right. Uh, it just happens to be that our hero has a different name, you know, and has yeah, a different yeah. life story and all this, all this history. I see you and I think you're exactly right. <laughs> I love when we find a connection from both of our worlds. It's so good. Like, it just, it makes my day because then it, I, that's half the reason, Alex, we are putting this podcast together because everything, this is our, our famous slogan, which is like plastered all over Times Square all the time. Yes. Trees and other related topics. Right. Because if, if like we're bringing like, oh, this like socioeconomic, not even so, the sociocultural like uh, basic, basic truth of humanity yeah. across cultural bounds also can be have has the same like basic bones of how you get a echidna and a hedgehog mm-hmm. you know or a dolphin and a shark and they've solved the same problem like it's the same kind of like base understanding yeah and it just makes you think like well everything kind of works the same yeah you just have to figure out how that formula can apply in this different way and then you can kind of see the world in a whole different way where you're like oh wow we are distantly related but we're not like we're not like not communicating like we all see the world in the same way it kind of brings together this idea of perception i guess i don't know we all live on the same planet exactly which informs everything we do and think in every way yeah stunning alex i think that's i think that's a perfect roundup wonderful casey and speaking of roundup let's not round up our scores for our review of the Rocky Mountain... I almost said Rocky Mountain Oyster. Of the Rocky Mountain <laughs> Juniper. Ew, who knows what a Rocky Mountain Oyster is? Oh, <laughs> it's grisly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. Casey, as our resident expert, we begin with you. All right. I will go. So I love... I love junipers most most junipers of all kind Mm. however i have something special in my heart specifically and i will get this right for the rocky mountain juniper which is juniperus scopularum Mm -hmm. the reason i think it's so cool is that it's got a huge range but it's very kind of like like diverse it has a diverse range but it's really big so it kind of grows everywhere in the intermountain west like the west side of the rockies all the way over to the east side of the cascades Mm. or the sierra nevada in some regard the thing about them is they like it's the only tree you're going to find in the in a lot of these areas is it just too cold or it's just too dry or it's too wet and then if it's too wet other trees are going to grow there now compete it but in the areas where you're like, I'm kind of on this like cliff side and I'm just hanging out. Oh my gosh, there's a tree right there. That is a tree that has been growing in the crack in the rock for 400 years. Yeah. And it's just it's just kicking it. That is a Rocky Mountain juniper. In the, the middle of the Great Basin where you like go up to 5,000 feet elevation and there's a little tree growing there, that's a juniper. Like they're just, they are the trees that basically when you're in the driest, worst part of the world, 
it's not the worst part in terms of like, it's a lovely place. Don't get me wrong. I'm going back in like two months. It is the worst part in terms of like conditions. Mm. It's not a cushy environment for plants. I see. And so those plants that do grow there and the juniper specifically, that's like, hey, it's great here. Yeah. Everyone. And it's just kicking it. It reminds you that it's not that bad and you can certainly do it. It's a little bit of adversity, but get it done. And the convergent evolution of junipers make them such a cool plant. I think they're great. They don't get very tall. Eh. They grow in really rough conditions. Excellent. I have to say, I would give this a... Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It has some downfalls. Uh, Casey, I think that's a great score. <laughs> Thank you. I know. It just If there's other things, I'm excited right now about this tree. Yeah. If you give me some other trees, I could probably be like, well, junipers. If I'm only surrounded by junipers, then right. I get a little bit bummed. And also, I have to say, they lose a little bit, a little bit of points because they're so good at living in those areas that they actually will take all the water in the surrounding soil and not let anything else live. Oh, wow. So it actually, um, a lot of times people have to cut down junipers because we Stop forest fires. So now junipers are like taking over where they used to not. And because they're doing that, they're kind of like sucking the ground dry. A little faux allelopathic. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, you know, they're good. Uh, they're almost too good at, right. at doing it. Um, but, you know, I guess that's the, if you're good, don't hate the player. I Yeah. Anyway. They're sort of ball hogs. Yeah, they are. But you know what? I guess if you got the biggest hands, then... And then they just nail three-pointers all day long. All day so long. you can't really fault them. Yeah, you can't really fault them. All Go right. Junipers. <laughs> the Rocky Mountain Junipers, my favorite basketball team. <laughs> oh, they should change their name, those Rocky Mountain Junipers. The Rocky Mountain Not Junipers. Uh. Anyway, Alex, what do you think? This has been a complex episode. Yes. A complex tree. You know, I'm, I'm fond of the juniper. I oh. learned a lot about it today. Uh, and I, I like it's, I like, uh, you know, how, I like how it's, uh, it's come up with a solution to a problem mm-hmm. that is so odd. Um, yeah, compared to all of its homies where it came from. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very odd. That's a perfect way to describe it. Uh, you know, like, it's like it went to art school with all these other conifers. Uh-huh. And then it went off and did like, it never sold out and like did Coke commercials. <laughs> it just like continued to do street art forever. Yeah. That didn't make any sense and you nobody know? watched, but it was like so true to its heart. And you're only going to know about it like a couple millions of years later. Yes. Like, wow, that was really good. Yes. Really good job, Juniper. 100%. All right. That's a funny way to put it. I was thinking you were going to be like, it, it went to school for like, engineering because all of its family has always done engineering mm. for the last million years yeah and then it decides to go to art school right. and it's like no my cones will be blue <laughs> right. and it's like what <laughs> oh my squishy. gosh go hang out with your aunt you and just stop mm. calling us I'd watch that sitcom. Yeah, I would, where it's a juniper and a yew, Mm -hmm. and they just go live with a bunch of very, very flamboyant flowering plants. Yes. Yes. Make that happen, Alex. Not bad. (laughs) Not bad at all. Uh, I think the seven range is good for the juniper Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, And I'm just going to land, I'm going to land on a seven, seven. A seven, seven. I think seven and seven. A seven and seven. Does that have gin in it? Am, am I making an accidental connection? Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a we'll have a juniper part two. We'll have a Utah juniper episode. Oh my gosh! We're, yeah, and talk yeah. about gin. <laughs> uh, that was our review of the Rocky Mountain juniper. We hope you liked it, Casey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. Alex, let's do it. This week's question is from Jade Paxton. 
What's up, Jade? Hi, Jade. Jade asks. Well, Jade sent this very nice email, which I won't read because it's 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 just for us, Casey. Oh gosh. Um, and uh, then followed up with a question: What is your favorite story or piece of media that incorporates trees? Ah, it could be a myth or a folktale, a book, a movie game, a movie game, I a movie, movie or a video game, uh, etc. My favorite is Tolkien's The Silmarillion, where the Valar, which are basically gods of, uh, I think uh, Gandalf is a Valar. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. Uh, I never read The Silmarillion. So is Saruman, I believe, and Radagast. Yeah. My good friend Julie, who uh, I just talked to, she read The Silmarillion and said that's her favorite book of all of the uh, all the Lord of the Rings. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Valar create these two beautiful shining trees, Telperion and Laurelian, Laurelin, mm-hmm. uh, that are the predecessors to the Sun and the Moon. Casey, you and I actually have researched this before yes, for an I think upcoming project, yeah. um, which I won't spoil anything about besides Ooh. telling you that it exists. Yes, it Casey, what's your favorite piece of media that involves trees? Go. Okay, mine is, I have a, I have a few, and one of them is, I believe, and I have to like, uh, I, ah, da-da-da-da, it is like the stories I think in in Metamorphosis that Greek uh, oh the yes Greek play I believe Ovid I think Ovid's Metamorphosis I think that's right yes Metamorphoses is a poem thank you by Alex the poet Ovid it, it's sort of a a poem in the way that like the Odyssey is a poem or the yes Iliad. exactly and and so all the stories are about these these individual things and it's all like usually some person becoming a plant or some plant becoming a person like I see and I believe that's what a lot of the metamorphosis is about or is that what the what the fly is based on or um what's that camu is it camu uh where somebody turns into a beetle like a bug oh I don't know is that from metamorphosis I'm not sure oh boy maybe we're, we're crossing a bunch of streams here we might we might be let me step back. My favorite is the like the ancient Greeks and other kinds of myths that yeah. come from um, these really deep traditions. A lot of the Native American traditions have a very similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just haven't found them all yet. And they are the the myths about how plants became and the the stories of like the people or the gods or the whoever that um, that created the name and the plant. Mm-hmm. So I believe I thought it was in Metamorphosis. I can't recall um, these. Or metamorphoses. Either way, it is a story of um, how these different people become plants. One of the famous ones I think we talked about was with uh, Zeus and uh, Hermes, I think. Okay. And they both came down to Earth, and they were just like, let's go mess around with the Earthlings for a little bit. Yeah, why not? And they just go and walk around. They're chilling. They, they dress themselves as essentially like poor beggars. Okay. And then they go to... Um, these a bunch of this this rich rich boulevard they go to beverly hills in greece and they knock on the doors and they're like hey what's up uh can we we're like pretty poor we're kind of beggars we're just hoping to grab some uh some food some water can you help us out and all these rich people are like oh go go away they slam the doors in their face they do this all the way down the road and they're just like well these people suck and they knock on this last door uh, just a little shed of a place they knock on it, and they knock on the door, and these two old folks open the whole, open their their door, and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" And the guy's like, "Hey, we would we need some some bread, we need some water. We're travelers, we're hungry. Could, mm. could you help?" And they just ask them point blank, 
Would you provide some for us? And these two old people, and I wish I could find this story right now off the top of my head. Hey, if you if you know the story, send it to us. I do, and I know we've looked it up. But like It's right on the tip of my head, which is the frustrating part. So I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but essentially he knocks on the door, or they go inside. The old folks are like, we have almost nothing, but we would love to, like, we'll give you what we can. They say, well, could, have, could we have some bread, asks Zeus and Hermes incognito. They then... Uh, they say, yes, you can, you can have some. We only have this much bread, so here you go. And they, they share their measly amount of bread with these two travelers. Casey, this story is called Baucus and Philemon. That's it. You've done it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm looking at it right here. Philemon and Baucus. Yes, it is. It's in, it's in uh, Ovid's Metamorphoses. We've done it. So essentially, then uh, the 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 next person or Hermes is like, "Hey, could I get? Uh, could, I, could we have some wine?" And the guy's like, well, "We don't. We don't have a lot of wine." And then they they ended up pouring uh, what wine they had and sharing it, like a very measly amount. Mm. They finished the bread and the wine, and then all of a sudden, like, "Hey, could could I have some more wine?" And then uh, Bacchus is like, uh, "Well, I'm sorry, we we don't have any more wine." And Hermes is like, "Just." Just see what's in there. See what's left. And they lift the thing, and all of a sudden, it's full. And they're like, what? Mm. And then, you know, they're like, oh, now we have a bunch of bread. And all of a sudden, magically, you know, they have all that they want. And then the two gods reveal themselves, and they're like, we are Zeus and Hermes. And, uh, and they're naked for some reason. Yeah, oh, yeah, because it's Greek. You know, that's what they do. Yeah. They got it. It's gorgeous. Uh, but then they essentially are like, hey, you are the only two people that ever uh, like helped us out, and you have by far the least. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to grant you whatever you want, because you guys were good to us. Mm. And then I think they, they, the, the wish that they say is, we want to die at the same time. Wow. These two old people. Jesus. I know. When they do, um, I can't remember, I, I guess it's been a long time since I've read it, but they essentially um, get... Uh, turned into either two different trees that are constantly looking at each other or like a weeping willow where the willows are kind of like twisted. Uh, oh, but okay. I don't think weeping willows actually existed in Greece at this time when they, when it happened. But essentially, they get turned into trees. Narcissus gets turned into what we call the daffodil, otherwise known as the narcissist, because he's looking at himself in the, in the, uh, right. in the water. And daffodils famously have their, like, uh, their flowers aiming down. Is that part of metamorphoses as well? I believe so, yeah. Cool. Yep, there it is, Narcissus. So anyway, uh, those are my favorite three favorite things. There's some ancient uh, Native American lore that has kind of the same thing, like, how did this happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And they come up with these stories that have to do with their tribes and, like, their people and all these things, and they give, uh, they, they have these creation stories for everything, not just the world, but, like, all these individual components within it and how everything is and why it is now. The Douglas fir cone. Yes. We, it, we've told that story before. And that's such a fun one. Like, give that a couple thousand years, and that's going to be, the, like, this lore but it'll be hopefully like this great hero Douglas was walking <laughs> through the forest back then the cones were huge you yeah. know something like that so I, I just I love those kinds of like myths and, and, and stories that tell tell you how something got there or got to be the way it is love that anyway sorry for botching that like six times it's Bacchus oh god um cool case alright so I have an answer as well what do you have uh this is something I talked about on potentially the previous episode or an episode far before this. Okay. Um, it is a video game. 
Yeah. This is just my most recent example. It's on the top of my head, so I, this oh, is why I bring it up. I think I know what you're talking about. It's a video game called Equilinox. Yes. It is an indie game. You can find it on Steam if you have a, a computer that can run a, a very basic, non-intensive video mm-hmm. game. Um, it is basically an evolution sim. Speaking of evolution. Yes, which yeah, this is very good. Uh, you start with the ability to grow grass. Yeah. And you go from there. That is, I think that's so funny. Uh, and basically, and, and you know, it's it's not it's not strictly based in science, but it, it definitely draws from you know, in order to make a uh, here's an ex- here's a, a, a kind of a quick easy example. Mm-hmm. One of the first trees you unlock is a birch. Okay, it's just a birch tree, right? Yeah, sure. Now the 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 birch tree can evolve into three other trees. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. A red maple. Okay. A wobbly tree. Ooh. And a pagoda tree. <laughs> now, in order to evolve the birch into a red maple, I have to selectively breed it in two ways. I have to have its color be red. Uh huh. And I have to have its altitude above thirty five meters. That's so funny. So I selectively. <laughs> Choose one of my birch trees to become red. Yeah. It it evolves, Uh so the next birch tree that grows has a chance to be red, right? It also must be 35 meters up. I can evolve the red 35-meter birch tree into a red maple tree. God, And then I'll just say the rest of this game is and so on. Etc. Every plant and animal in the game comes from a plant or animal prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you basically like one at a time unlock hundreds of plants and animals and build ecosystems. There are different like biomes. There's forests. Uh, There's like, um, you know, like temperate forests. Uh There's like jungle uh, you know, and That's like all the jungle so cool. species live in the jungle. There's a swamp biome, and uh-huh. all the swamp creatures and I the think, swamp plants live there. I've seen one that there's snow coming down. Yes, there's a, of course, a mountain, mountainous uh, sort yeah. of uh, area where, and you can only grow certain plants and animals in, in certain, certain biomes. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I, I, I can't shut up about this game. It's so good. It's insanely casual and addicting and yeah. it's if you have any interest in uh trees or animals and evolution and science it's it's a great thing to pick up and i basically said this in that episode yeah spectacular but it this is what that reminded me of i think that is such a fun like uh, that it's like a very uh modern media representation of like a natural thing yes which i think is so great because there's like i don't think there's enough of that Alex. yeah like, it's, it's extremely accessible too yeah um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say this. Go for it. Equilinox is the official video game of Completely Arbitrary, and that has the Alex's stump of approval. Bagook. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jade, so much for your question. We could talk about that all day. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail dot com. That's a r b o r t r a r y pod at gmail dot com. Follow us on the old Instagram. We're doing some fun stuff there. You can keep up with news on the pod and uh, check out the newest merch drops and get some behind the scenes info. and And uh, there's a there's a post for each episode, so you can see photos of the things we talk about in these episodes mm-hmm. uh, at Arbitrary Pod on Instagram. Or you can support this podcast on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ArbitraryPod. Join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month about trees and other related topics, or the Cone of the Month Club. For unique die-cut cone sticker, illustrated by an independent artist, sent to you every single month with an info card. It's all very fun and cute. 
Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. I almost ran out of breath there. job. Um, Case. This is exciting. The Rocky Mountain Juniper. Yes. The subject of today's episode. Has been bastardized. <laughs> it's not the term I want to use, but you know what? At the beginning of the episode, we kind of messed it up a little bit. Yes, it will be resolved. And this will just go... You know what, Casey? It's going to go down in history. People love this shit. No, they don't. They love, they love when we fuck up because it's unique and cool. Yeah, right. That It's it's kind of like they're like, well, these guys are fun. It's a special episode. <laughs> the <laughs> one we got wrong. Thanks for all the uh, the the metaphorical pats on the head you guys yeah like the rustles of the hair uh-huh like oh you got just go out there and have fun you guys we don't care if you swing and you miss i mean truly that is the the attitude <laughs> of 99 percent of the people uh, those. yes all right so to set the record straight which i will do multiple times <laughs> this episode hopefully because i'm so embarrassed there are two different trees one is the rocky mountain juniper uh-huh. juniperus scopularum the other is the Utah juniper, which is osteoporum, right. or osteosperma, excuse me. So, juniperus osteosperma, the Utah juniper, uh-huh. is not the subject of today's talk. Right. This is the Rocky Mountain juniper, canonically. Yes. And with that, we say, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Or goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 